Hey guys, John here with a quick update before we start this week's episode. Uh, This is actually cut from our previous episode about the Last Jedi Art of Book and Visual Dictionary uh, book. And Ryan and I had a really great conversation about Canto Bite that kind of um, extended from that conversation about those two books. And I just kind of felt it was better to separate that and have it um, as its own episode. So that's what we have this week. It's Ryan and I talking about Canto Bite. Um, Ryan making the case that Canto Bite is totally punk rock, which I agree with. And uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty good conversation. So if you're one of the many people who's not super into the Canto Bite sequence, maybe we can uh, offer some new perspectives on it. Or if you're like us and you love Canto Bite, um, then join us for a conversation about uh, all the reasons we love it. This one's just over about 30 minutes long, so a little shorter than our usual episodes, but um, we'll be back soon with another full-length episode, um, most likely, hopefully, about the Han Solo trailer and uh, more. So we'll see you then. Check us out at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. uh, Subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review and uh, enjoy our Canto Bite conversation. Canto Bite has been on my mind a lot um, <laughs> for like a multitude of reasons. And I think uh, one reason is because I feel like it's getting slagged off a lot. Um, you know, every, every time um, someone says, uh, you know, I hear someone say that scene was too long or that scene um, is pointless. It, uh, it, 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 it deeply wounds me um, because, <laughs> my opinion that scene isn't long enough because i just want more canto bite and luckily there is a book i don't know what i would be doing if that book didn't exist um with the stories about um you know all these uh all these characters and because i i don't know there's like I was telling you the other day, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the action figure line and how it seems to be kind of like wrapping up for the, the last Jedi, um, before the release of, um, solo, which is like, a, a man, I hope that's not the case because like, we still don't even have like Holdo figures, um, which is, uh, breaking my heart and no Holdo, no master or, uh, no master code breaker, oh. no caregivers, um, no you know, grandma no sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot. There's a ton. No Volt yeah. Texas. Um, no ATM6 vehicle. There's a mm-hmm. ton of stuff that they can and, I, you know, should do for The Last Jedi. If- yeah. Yeah. But like I was saying, like, I basically, I want a Canto Bite playset. I want like every single creature in <laughs> Canto Bite um, to have a figure. Um, yeah, like I want, I want all that because I love this um, so much. But even like aside from just like the like, I don't know parallels to I guess like the cantina or to Maz's castle where like you're just getting all these like tantalizing glimpses at cool aliens. Um, I also think that the Canto Bite scene is one of the um, most thematically rich 
parts in a Star Wars movie ever. And I think it um, it has some of the uh, most interesting and challenging themes that we've seen in a Star Wars movie. And I've kind of like described them in like the show notes and to you as kind of like punk rock themes. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is like so much of um that uh kind of push back against um you know high high culture and um stuff here in that there is this is essentially a a scene full of class conflict um with you know in the film we see it kind of like manifest in what like rose is saying um and like her distaste for um the people and the um the excess um of the the people here and it also like that theme really really permeates the um the the stories in the book um, because like many of the protagonists in this in the stories um, come from a place of like commonality um, and not in their like it's a lot of people and creatures um, exploited by the the rich of Canto Bite and um, you know, there's stuff about even in the um, in the visual dictionary, it talks about like how um, l- laws are very flexible in Canto Bite, depending on the influence and power and money and wealth of um, the person either being harmed or initiating um, something that may be considered unlawful. Um and I think that's just like a really interesting theme to explore um, within the context of Star Wars, and um, and I also think it kind of manifests in the scene where DJ is um, talking to Finn, and he's showing that you know the ship that they stole um, belongs to an arms dealer, and the arms dealer is. Uh, is kind of playing both sides and selling to both the uh, the first order and the resistance, and um, you know I think that's a an interesting and uh, challenging um, bit to kind of put out there. Yeah, the candle bite stuff rules, and uh, people talk about like how it's like long and it's actually not like if you go watch the movie again um which we've both done numerous times like it's it actually goes by really quickly um i feel like it's not super long um i do love the uh as you put it like the punk rock themes that are in the canto bite sequence and i don't think that's like um accidental or something that you know you're just like kind of coming up with uh especially considering dj is named after an elvis costello uh reference you know what i mean mm-hmm. um like the idea that that stuff is in there i think is 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 for sure uh something that's intentional uh and then not only that like um i've heard people complain about canto bite and say that well it's too um it's too um straightforward not straightforward it's too uh, blatant with its messaging and stuff like that it's too obvious um as if like 
Star Wars is not a very broad morality tale with uh, obvious, um, you know, thematic uh, or or morality messaging happening all the time throughout Star Wars. Like that's part of what Star Wars is. Uh, so I have no complaints with that either. I actually love it. And on top of that, people talk about it like, well, they could just cut it out. It doesn't mean anything. It's not necessary. You know, that's only true if you don't care about Finn's character development and Finn growing and like mm-hmm. everything in there is meant to teach him uh, or kind of like help develop him as a character. Uh, even the character of Rose, who I love, who I think is excellent. Ryan Johnson's been very, um, uh, very transparent about the fact that that character was created um, and, and written uh, to help Finn's character develop. Like that is the purpose of Rose. That's the purpose of Canto Bite. And I think she can grow beyond that as a character, but that is why she's in the movie. Um, and that's why they go to Canto Bite in the movie. It's to develop uh, Finn as a character. And I think it does that really well. So um, and, unless you don't, you know, like the way his story concludes in the last shot, but I personally love it. So, and I don't mm-hmm. think it would make any sense without Canto Bite. So uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it's goofy. It's fun. Um, and another thing too, real quick, Ryan, about Canto Byte mm-hmm. um, and Master Codebreaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I heard somebody, I think it was on Rebel Force Radio, but I heard somebody uh, reference the fact that Canto Byte, that sequence has a kind of like Spielbergian feel to it. And I think that's absolutely true. Like, I feel like it does have this like really uh, 80s kind of like Spielberg type movie vibe to it. Um, in fact, I think it was in the Art of book uh, to bring it back there. Um, Maybe it was just another interview. I'm not sure. But somebody said uh, that Ryan really wanted the movie to be very 80s and have like a very 80s feel and stuff. And I think that's you can totally see that in Canto Bite. And then you have Master Codebreaker, who uh, is wearing uh, an outfit, his white tuxedo, very, very similar to um, Indiana Jones in the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom um, Mm. in Club Obi-Wan, even down to the red uh, pin the rose pin on his uh, tuxedo so like to me that's almost like oh master codebreakers like clothing in that sequence is there to make a visual connection for the audience between um that sequence and movies like temple of doom and like movies with that kind of vibe and stuff like that so mm. uh which i love and um yeah i think canto bite is executed really well and is super cool that's 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 my conclusion it's very cool. good very good stuff I- Yes, I also agree. And I do want to say on the subject of Rose and the idea of her being like a character created to, um, you know, help Finn grow, because originally it was going to be Finn and Poe Dameron. Yeah. Um, And but that was uh, Ryan felt that was uh, too boring, Mm -hmm. um, potentially, um, you know, retracing steps from Force Awakens and like their uh, camaraderie there um, and not really taking either character into new territory, which um, I think separating them was such a good plan because like we see so much growth from Poe um, and, you know, we see him, uh, you know, growing through failure, um, a big theme of the movie um failure is the greatest teacher um that's not you know i've heard that mentioned on many many star wars podcasts um but uh yeah i think separating them's a great idea and but we also like with rose like she's i think she becomes um she's like woven in to become like an essential um you know character in the sequel trilogy because she has her own 
she manages to still like despite being created as like a, a foil for Finn, she still manages to have her own pretty like substantial and like touching character arc herself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like a testament to like the skill of um, you know, Ryan Johnson and the the story group and everyone and Kelly Murray Tran's like amazing performance as well that, you know, this character who wasn't really even supposed to be part of this story was just so well woven in. And like, I can't imagine like Star Wars without her already. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, I think like DJ was created to help move Finn's character in a certain direction. Rose was created to do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that's where they came from in the script, but that doesn't mean they can't exist as interesting characters. And then, you know, themselves be further developed later on too and become, you know, I I don't think Rose needs to become an, I think she's already a great character an incredible character, like you were saying. And um, no, she's, she's, she's excellent, but it's just, that is where she comes from and what her purpose in the story is. But uh, she's so well-written and she's Kelly Marie Tran plays her so well that, you know, she kind of like ends up superseding that or, or growing beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the same thing with Luke Skywalker. And, and you know, so I, I guess I point that out to say, like, it's not in any way uh, meant to diminish Rose or DJ's characters. The fact that they're in there for the specific purpose, same with Haldo, same with Luke Skywalker, really. I mean, Luke is in this story, not so much to advance Luke's story as he is to, I think like, um, advance like the, the story of Ray and other characters within the resistance and, and well, really Ray, but you know what I mean? Like um, I think the focus is always on the core characters of Ray, Poe, Kylo Ren, Finn, um, and, and then characters like Rose and DJ, or even characters like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, I think are there to how do we use them to advance the story of these characters that we are focused mm-hmm. on and whose story we are telling. So it's not a negative thing in any sense. It's just, you know, the way, you have to go about it or the way they're choosing to go about it with, with the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, okay. So one last thing um, we have mentioned DJ uh, multiple times, and he's a character that through um, subsequent viewings, um, I'm really more and more intrigued by, and I'm super curious what direction um, they take this character. And I think what he means thematically in this film could be something different in the next film or maybe his story's over and then like you know his impact is uh you know what it is in this film which is um i would say you know kind of showing finn the um you know the gray area of war um and the um like futility in a sense of like this just um like never never ending conflict and uh you know they blow you up today you blow them up tomorrow um kind of uh i don't know just kind of worldview Mm -hmm. um and i think like he uh he represents that um in where his story ends in um, The Last Jedi. But um, do you think that DJ will be back in uh, episode nine? Uh, I think possibly. Um, I would not say, yes, I think he will be back because I don't think it's 
necessary at all for him to be back. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he serves his purpose well in this story. Um, and I have a feeling episode nine is gonna be pretty packed as it is. Uh, so like, I don't think it's necessary to bring him back. Um, but you know, I think that there's, there are plenty of ways they could do it and it could be good. So it's Mm -hmm. just a question of like, how invested are they as storytellers? How invested is JJ in a character Mm -hmm. like DJ? Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't think it's really necessary to bring him back. But, you know, if there's if there's a place in the story where it makes sense, what I would not like to see with DJ is mm-hmm. a Maz Kanata, the way Maz Kanata was used in The Last Jedi. And I don't think they would do that. But I think, you know, I love The Last Jedi so much. But uh, one genuine complaint I have about it is I think the use of Maz Kanata is just really bad. Like it falls flat. It doesn't make any sense. And I just it doesn't. I love Maz Kanata so much in The Force Awakens. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Maz Kanata fan. And I really actively don't enjoy um, the way she was used in The Last Jedi. So um, that's an example of like, well, Maz Kanata is a character that should be in this movie. So let's find some you know place for her to fit. Uh, DJ executes his purpose in The Last Jedi really well. Um, and so if there's a, an appropriate place for him to kind of like factor into the story of episode nine, then let's go there. But I am personally not in favor of, oh, I like DJ. I like Benicio Del Toro and I like the character DJ. He should be in episode nine. I don't think he should be in episode nine unless there's a reason for him to be in episode nine. And just the fact that we like him, I don't think is a very good one personally. Right. And so like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, in that, like, I think his performance is incredible. I love every moment he's on screen. I love his delivery. Um, like, I'm not like, I don't totally love the stutter, um, but I think his non-verbals in the movie are, like, so priceless. Like, he is just so, um, he's so good. So, like, from that perspective, like, yes, I would like to see him again because I enjoy watching him on the screen. But I think if they are going to bring him back, like, he's going to need to have an arc um as a character and i think kind of where he um you know leaves off and this is you know obviously been his worldview for a long time is that um you know he's he's kind of your uh both sides are equally bad um person and what i would like to which seems you know, it. The, I I always kind of feel like in both, like, you know, in in our society, um, etc. I feel like that is like a kind of cop out to inaction, um, like not, uh, you know, s- sometimes sometimes there are, um, you know, two sides of the same coin. Um, sometimes one thing is. a a lot more bad than the other um so it you know he does play that uh you know both the the first order and the resistance are essentially the same um he kind of he kind of plays that card as a in a in a sort of selfish way um it to just you know further his own um gains and I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, one of these sides is worse than the other. Um, even just like putting yourself in the position of someone living in this galaxy, 
like you see the first order like destroy a star system <laughs> like the the Hodsnian system and destroy completely like blow up a government with a with Starkiller base um you know I don't I don't know if I would say like oh they're they're pretty much the same uh the first order and the um, resistance like um I w- so I would like to see um you know his uh if they do bring him back maybe see his uh view on that expand or um something to kind of like push him um one way or or the other um i actually think like he's an interesting character because he could um i he could go either way and i could see him you know um you know i would of course like to see him um come around on the side of the resistance but um i also could see him being like well this resistance has no chance um and you guys have no idea what you're doing. I'm aligning myself with like order because at least, you know, this uh, makes sense and this is the way it's going to shake out anyways. So I could also see him aligning himself with the, with the first order. And I, w- I would like, I would like to see that. I would like to see him choose a side. I think if, uh, if he does appear in episode nine. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. that Yeah. Sure. That he's got to go somewhere. If they could bring him back, he's got to develop him one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think I, I kind of feel like like Finn is the one to make the choice, and that's the whole point of DJ. You know, so mm-hmm. like DJ presents this like nihilistic, like both sides of the same and just do whatever's best for you kind of perspective. And then Finn actively like chooses a different route. Like he that's presented to Finn as an option, and then he makes a different choice. You know what I mean? So like we could see DJ come back in episode nine and also make a different choice, but like we've already seen Finn make the, the, the choice in reaction to DJ's worldview. Um, so don't you feel like Finn's choice was like a foregone conclusion going into this movie? Like, I don't feel like there's as much of a moment as there was. I feel like he made that choice in force awakens. The, mm, yeah, maybe, um, I, it doesn't he he's not like he's not still on the fence in last jedi like well, he's not like I, maybe i'm gonna help out the resistance like no he's going for it he has a plan yeah but his plan is all well i don't know <laughs> his plan's all about ray and then i think like if 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 that's the case then that does kind of mm-hmm. undercut the necessity of canto bite because i think the point of canto bite is for finn to see that like the there's a different way to live and it hurts normal people. And not only that. And so that's one reason to fight the first order. Mm -hmm. And then I think he also sees that you have somebody like DJ who's decided like, man, I don't want to fight like Finn in, in force awakens. And even I think in the beginning of the last Jedi to a certain extent is like, this is crazy. I can't be involved in this. Like I, I want to protect Ray. That's my goal. Even when they go to Starkiller Base and Force Awakens, like his thing, I don't even know how to shut down the shield. I just want to get Ray out of there. You know what I mean? Then he wakes up in the Last Jedi and he's like, "Where's Ray?" And he's totally gonna like ditch the Resistance, try to go somewhere the Resistance is not. Hope Ray will meet him there and then be like, "We're safe," you know. And not because like he has like I don't know if I believe in the Resistance or not, but just because I think he's very much a character who's like 
you know, and these movies take place days apart from one another too. Like he has not yeah. like made some incredible growth between uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So I think that he's like he's a good guy, but he doesn't necessarily want to be invested in dedicating his life to fighting the First Order. Um, I do think that's the case with Finn. And so him going to Canto by DC is like, okay, wow, people are suffering all throughout the galaxy as a result of the First Order. And then DJ shows up and DJ is like, I think I referred to him in a text to you guys or something as like the ghost of Christmas future for Finn. Mm, like This is what yeah. I could become. I could become a guy who's out for myself and whose motto is don't join. And that, cause that's, that's what Finn is experimenting with in force awakens is don't join. I'm going to go yeah. off to some outer rim planet and do my own thing and not be a part of the resistance. And I, I do think the choices he makes in force awakens are motivated by his connection to Ray. And then I think Ryan Johnson explicitly tries to point out to us in the first half of the last Jedi that those are Ray is still his motivating factor, not the resistance. But right. I think by the end of the movie, Finn is ready to do whatever he needs to do in service of the cause. And I don't think you ever see him do anything primarily in service of the cause until after Canto bite. So, um, and so I, are I, you referring to like the, the crate scene yeah. where he is ready to, uh, sacrifice himself? Yeah. And he even tells Poe, yeah. like, like not only is he really willing to sacrifice himself, but then he tells Poe, like, uh, like we got to go help Luke. He's out there facing them down on his own. We got to help him, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Like he's, he is ready to, it has nothing to do with Ray, but I, yeah, I don't think he ever, true. you know, he never does that until then. And so I think to me, I just, that's just what I think DJ's purpose is, you know? And like, I think that right. that's totally accomplished. That, but again, that doesn't mean they can't bring him back and have him have his own arc or whatever. But um, if it's just about like, let's bring him back so we can see what side he chooses, um, that could still be good. But I don't think I need it because like, you know, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so. I think it, it supplements the main story, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because mm -hmm. I think that is, um, I mean, for one, he's an interesting character. Um you know, he's entertaining um, just from like a film goer perspective. Um, but also like he does kind of represent the uh, in a way like the common man, um, even though he's got some extraordinary abilities, um, the, uh, you know, the person who's not entrenched in like the war. Um, he's essentially a civilian. And um, I think that is also like a perspective worth having. Yeah, yeah and if if we weren't talking star wars like i i more agree with dj honestly like i'm more of a don't join like it is a cycle of endless war you know what i mean like um and like i feel if it wasn't star wars maybe the point here at the end of episode nine or whenever would be can we find a different way of dealing with this besides just building a rebellion building an empire and then slamming them against one another <laughs> for a couple decades you know what i mean like that doesn't yeah. seem to be going anywhere um and that's a complaint some people make about the sequel trilogy is like hey i thought we won this thing at the end of return of the jedi well just mm -hmm. so it could happen again well guess what that's how it works you know what i mean but uh perhaps like <laughs> well, that's like when, when the allies won world war ii and we don't mm -hmm. have wars anymore no yeah realistically it doesn't make sense of course but then at yeah. the same time it's like you say like well one side's worse than the other yeah one side is worse than the other so does that mean like we just stay entrenched in a endless cycle of wars repeatedly forever and ever um i mean in the case of human history yes that is what it means yeah. but that doesn't mean it's like what the goal should be or like you know what i mean so somebody like dj who says like could we like do something besides just build armies mm -hmm. up and slam them against one another 
that's not an idea I disagree with. Uh, but I don't think like ultimately episode nine is going to be about like demilitarization. In fact, episode seven kind of criticizes the idea of demilitarization, yeah. especially if you read the supplemental <laughs> material. It's like Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma um, wound down the armies of the Republic, and uh, that's what allowed the First Let Order to rise. So I don't think it's going. I don't think it's going that way. So I think you're right. DJ would have to make a choice, but it seems like really what's more in line with his character is that he provides a different perspective and a different worldview. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's one that's completely invalid, even though in terms of like the limited, not limited, but in terms of the broader story they're trying to tell with star Wars, it's not really valid in that world. You know what I mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's presented so that Finn can make a better choice, at least in the world of star Wars or whatever. But uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, that's a, I don't think like there's usually not just two options either, which is another thing here. Like DJ is like, well, there's the good guys and the bad guys, but neither one of them are really good or bad or whatever. Um, and, and you kind of rightfully push back on that and said like, well, Hey, one's worse than the other. Um, mm-hmm. but then like even that argument implies there's only two options and maybe DJ is a mm-hmm. character that suggests there's more than two options. So you don't have to choose the one that's less bad than the other. Maybe you can choose one that's genuinely good, you know, um, and doesn't involve like, lots of death and destruction but again i don't think that's star wars so <laughs> it's probably not yeah, where we're going well i don't know but i also think maybe that is star wars now like that these are themes that are being introduced and you know i mean like it's and that's what i think is so exciting about the last jedi is because it just it opens up so many doors and you know I, I think like these the themes um like these newly introduced themes and we didn't even talk about like the the animal liberation mm. theme that also manifests in Last Jedi, um but Pablo you know, should have named a character after like propaganda in the Visual Dictionary. <laughs> hey, that Canadian connection. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think like maybe like these are maybe these are not themes that. Um, I mean, maybe they're not themes that Ryan Johnson subscribes to. Um, maybe these aren't like his personal politics or something. Um, I find that hard to believe. But yeah. um, <laughs> but I mean, maybe this is stuff that won't be explored in um, episode nine, but maybe it will be explored in his trilogy. Um, and like personally for me, like as, um, you know, as like a 35 year old dude um like i like star wars like venturing and like dipping its toe into some of these different um you know themes and uh i i don't think it like i don't think star wars needs to become like overly political or anything um i think it still needs to be um you know, accessible and it still is like a mainstream product. But um, I think the fact that these stories can be told in the context of Star Wars is really um, appealing to me. And I think, um, you know, I think just as like um, people in a society, like there's something we can um, get from having these themes appear in um, this like fictional world. Um, I think there's a takeaway and uh, a level of meaning um, to it that uh, I think is like wholly welcome and it's challenging and it like obviously leads to discussion and um, I think that's a sign of like 
really good entertainment that just happens to be like the most mainstream thing ever, mm-hmm. which I think is super, super cool. Yep. And The Last Jedi does a really good job, I think, of uh, exploring new ideas, but not completely, you know, um, moving away from from what came before. And I think that's an unfair assessment that some people put on the movie is that it's like totally walking away from what was Star Wars. And I think ultimately explores some different avenues and does new things with Star Wars. But in the end, it kind of, I feel like The Last Jedi in the end embraces the, you know, the the kind of classic motifs and ideas of of star wars movies you know what i mean like it's very mm-hmm. hopeful in the end um and for some reason that's getting lost for yeah. some people yeah. all the way, I mean, so. it's like it's star wars is all heck like there's so much star wars in it and mm-hmm. you know and it's funny too because i know we need to like wrap up here but i've just i see like a constant stream on like social media and stuff of people complaining about stuff like marvel movies where saying like oh there you know like there is some fatigue and it's like oh there you know these these new ones look cool but they're going to be the same as the old ones and like or the you know the ones that came out last year and um you know they they can be really good but they're not really like it's just kind of like a status quo um and i think that in order for um like a franchise to like move forward and to like remain interesting um like you i don't know you do have to like do things differently you can't just keep making the same movie that came out 40 years ago over and over again because eventually like even as i mean as fans like we probably still like it but i think eventually like the uh the conversation and the the intrigue would like slowly fade away and -hmm. it would just be like oh this is a thing that i do because i'm a fan of and then i watch it and oh that was cool um here's my ranking of them in order and then we're done okay when's the next one coming Mm -hmm. um kind of thing but i feel like Last Jedi has given us like so much to chew on um, for the next couple of years. And I think that's really welcome and uh, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I just hope they uh, they continue to work with people like Ryan Johnson who um, can really walk that line um, and find that balance between, um, you know, breaking out and doing new things. And in some cases, even rebuking ideas from the past, but then also, um, you know, holding on to enough of like really understanding there's a quote that we pulled from the visual dictionary where it says it's in our bones. You know what I mean? Like it's in, you know, there, there is like, I think as long as you truly love it and it's truly part of you like star Wars, then, then, you know, there's the, there's the potential there to like kind of break off in different directions and explore new things. And it's okay to test different things. And it's okay to push back on certain, you know, to have Luke Skywalker throw that lightsaber behind him in the beginning of the last Jedi, because he gets star Wars and in the end and, 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 you know, throughout the process, but like those motifs and those ideas and the things that are really crucial and important to star Wars. Um, they're there underneath it, but it's, it's challenging and, and tries exciting new things and, and, uh, pushes back on certain ideas, but it doesn't completely throw them away, toss them away. Right. So even though Luke tosses that lightsaber out in the beginning of the last Jedi, by the end, he's there doing the heroic thing. And so it's okay that like, 
you know, it was a really challenging and difficult process to get from point A to point B in The Last Jedi for, for characters like Luke and for audiences to a certain extent, because, um, you know, like you said, it's doing something new, but then it also, it retains enough of what it needs to have. So there's a, it's an alchemy or this balance between all those things that has to be right. Um, but it doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't always have to be the same. You just have to find a way to make like new ideas kind of fit in with um, the the framework uh, in a way that feels natural and feels right. And I think, you know, Ryan Johnson does that in The Last Jedi uh, incredibly well. And, uh, and I also think that uh, we get that kind of like with Rogue One and then potentially, mm-hmm. I, I think with um, with Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, um, Rogue One's a much more military, you know, um, war focused Star Wars movie, but it maintains enough of the balance of all the elements that you need um, to feel like Star Wars. Uh, and I think, you know, like if Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, for instance, goes a more ris- a mystical route and focuses more on like the mysticism and the force and things like that, um, and much less on the military engagement and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it gets the balance right, it will still it'll still be Star Wars. You know, it'll be doing something new and, and exploring it in a different way and even pushing back on certain um, elements of Star Wars that have always been there. Um, but that can work too, as long as, you know, the, I think as long as the the creative forces behind it, like kind of understand what, what matters in Star Wars and what, you know, what the kind of bones of it are as, as Ryan, Ryan Johnson said. So, mm-hmm. all right. I think we probably definitely should call it there, Ryan. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that ended up being a, I think a pretty fun three part uh, discussion or enjoyable uh, three part discussion there for, for me anyway. Um, so uh, we'll be back soon with uh, more Blockade Runner podcast. Um, I have a feeling maybe next time we record, we'll be talking uh, maybe a little Solo. more about Solo and less about The Last Jedi. Um, but there's still a lot to say uh, about The Last Jedi as well. So um, I'm hoping to get out to the movie theater at least a handful uh, of times uh, here before it leaves. Although I've noticed at least where I am, it's left the IMAX screens and uh, I don't think it's playing in 3D around here anymore. So mm-hmm. it's definitely winding down its time in the theater, but I think we'll have another probably month or so where it's playing yeah. at least a little bit. Um, I, th- I think we'll I think we'll have it um, pretty accessible until next month when Black Panther comes out. Okay, and so mid-February, that, yeah. Yeah, I think that okay. will probably be the, the pivot point. All right. Well, I'm I'm itching to get back. It's been a while since I've been been to the theater to see the Last Jedi. A week and a half, two weeks. So I am itching to get back out there and uh, hoping to do that soon. But uh, yeah, like I said, um, I would expect a, a solo uh, reveal coming up here. Got to be in the next couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. um, we'll definitely be back to talk about that. Until then, you can follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at Blockade Run and uh, Ryan. You're on Twitter at Braun Dwarf. B R A W N D W A R F. Yeah, that brawn dwarf, uh, brawny, brawny fellow, brawny dwarf. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, otherwise, uh, you know, f- subscribe on iTunes, review on iTunes. That'd be cool. Um, YouTube, subscribe, uh, Blockade Runner Podcast. And uh, all of our stuff can be found at blockaderunnerpodcast.com.